0: So let's talk about fathers today and dads. And uh, I want, uh, Jody, you're right there on the front row. I'm probably going to need that tissue box under you today. So if you'll just get ready to bring that. Well, we'll share. You, well, you run up here and get tissues and I'll use them when I need them. Um, see how many old people are here today. How many of y'all remember Father Knows Best TV show, Father Knows Best? Good. Awesome. I think it was all black and white. Did they ever do any colors of that one? Uh, we're going we're gonna to steal the title of that TV show. How many of y'all never saw it, but you heard about that TV show? Okay. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? All right. Okay. <laughs> Shows you a lot about the age of our church, doesn't it? So we're going to talk about uh, fathers who know best and how they know best and um, what they do because they know best. Fathers who know best, number one, you got the notes in your uh, seat there, so get get the note card out, fill in the blanks. Got a bunch of blanks today, so we're going to go through it quickly. Fathers who know best, number one, know how to love their children without conditions. They know how to love their children without conditions. Even though we're talking about fathers and their children and how they're supposed to love them, this is actually how Christians love anybody. Did you get that? So I'm going to give you three ways, right under this first point, I'm going to give you three ways God loves us unconditionally or how we're to love our kids unconditionally. And uh, as we go through this, I don't want you to just relegate it to dads loving their children or parents loving their children. This is how Christians love everybody. Okay? All right? So let's look at the first way dads love without condition, by forgiving their children, by forgiving them over and over and over. Look what the Bible says, Paul in the book of Ephesians, writing to the church at Ephesus, teaching them how to get along. How many of you know Christians need instructions on how to get along? Paul wasn't talking to people outside the church. He was talking to people inside the church on how to get along with each other. So if it applied then, it applies now. He said, first of all, be. Now, surely we're going to do better than that today. We do this every Sunday. Every Sunday. And I got to tell you, early church people, you're the worst. Because you hadn't been up that long. Some of you still aren't up, okay? But let's be and to who? Each other. Boom. Forgiving who? And what is our measuring rod for forgiveness? That's pretty high mark right there. We forgive our children. We forgive our wife, we forgive our husband, we forgive our mom, we forgive our dad, we forgive our family, we forgive our friends, we forgive anybody who's hurt us. Here's why. Because we've been forgiven. Because we've been forgiven. We forgive because he forgave us. That's You don't forgive somebody because they deserve it. Hey, listen, there's some people you need to forgive, and they don't care whether you forgive them or not. But you need to go ahead and forgive them because he forgave you. I tell you, there's a powerful verse in the Bible that says if you don't forgive, you don't don't get forgiveness. If you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven by him. I mean, that verse alone is enough to find some way, somehow to forgive those who have hurt us. Here's the truth right here. If you're a parent, you're going to get hurt by your children. The level of hurt that you get from your children may be a very low level of hurt, maybe a little disappointment here and there. But some of you are going to get hurt way up here. You're going to get hurt deep, and you're going to get hurt over and over And over. But as godly parents, we keep on forgiving them. We keep on loving them. Because sometimes we're all they have. Now, you know, today's hard for me. Today's hard. I got up really early this morning. It's been hard this morning. But Mitch was that son who could make you prouder than any son could make any father, and he was that son who could hurt you as a parent so deep, so much, so often, That you just have to come to a place where you accept the pattern of behavior that is just going to cause that to happen over and over and over. And if you don't set yourself, especially those of you who deal with children who have special needs, or you deal with children who have addictions. If you don't learn to love them, and I, I don't mean let them get away with everything and enable them, I'm not talking about that, but they got to know you love them. They got to know, they got to know they got you if they don't have anybody else. They got to know they have you. So I'm telling you moms and dads sitting here who have been separated from your children because of some offense, and your children don't speak to you and you don't speak to your children, do your part in getting that fixed. I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know how they're going to react. I can't promise you how they're going to react, but do your part in getting that fixed and own your part of the responsibility. I apologize to Mitch many, many times because I was not a great dad in the early years. I didn't know anything about being a dad. I prepared a whole lot more for my driver's license than I did having a baby. Or Millie had the baby, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I prepared way more for insignificant things in life than I ever did for being a dad. I thank God, you know, that, that today we are so about you being a good dad and we are so about you being a good mom and we are so about healthy marriages and we are so about family because we know as the family goes, the bridge goes. And, and so we have put on staff two people full-time To minister, to help you, to resource you, to sit down with you, to meet with you, to teach you about fatherhood, teach you about motherhood, teach you about marriage. I got to tell you something, man. When I got married, there was no marital counseling, premarital counseling. It was like, oh yeah, we do premarital counseling, let's book the church and book the preacher. There was no meetings about what a good marriage, no books, there was no reading there was nothing. And, and I remember as a, as a young pastor in Kerry, I was about 30 years old, and I was introduced to a man, you may recognize his name, Dr. James Dobson. Oh, yeah. And that's the first time I ever heard anybody talk about marriage. I mean, I would listen to his VHS tapes. Yes, that's right, VHS. I would listen to those tapes and cry and cry and cry. I just got a call. (laughs) Awesome. Good. Thanks, David List. David just, I'm sorry. I should have turned my phone off. (laughs) David was telling me how awesome I am. (laughs) That's my fault, not David's. (laughs) So next time I get on you guys for the phone, it goes, yours dinged one time. I tell you, those, the, and we, you know what we have here at the church? All kinds of resources for you. Free. Free CDs, DVDs, teaching on parenting. I didn't know. I didn't know about forgiveness. I didn't know how to parent my children. I really didn't. The second thing that proves we love them is not only forgiving them, but always believing in them. No matter what, you never give up on your children. John Phillips uh, has a translation of the Bible. I actually had the honor of meeting John Phillips one time. I have his autograph in one of my Bibles. I love his translation of 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Look at it. Love knows no limit to its endurance. Love's able to endure anything, real love. God love is able to endure anything. Love knows no limit, no end to its trust. Love knows no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything, true love. One writer said, a great dad doesn't rub it in, he rubs it out. Another writer said, great dads walk in when everybody else walks out of the child's life. A great dad walks into his life. Isaiah 54 and 10, God talking about his love for the children of Israel and Of course, his love for all of us, Gentiles included, Isaiah 54.10, the mountains and the hills may crumble, but God says, my love for you will never end. So says the Lord, who what? Loves you. The secret to becoming a father who's able to forgive. The secret to becoming a father who is able to uh, endure in his love and always believe in his child. Where do you get that from? I mean, when your child is a drug addict and your child is, is as good as gold one day. I mean, one day they'd give you the shirt off their back. The next day they'd take the shirt off your back. I mean, when you've got that kind of thing going on in your life, how do you have love that keeps forgiving? And how do you have love that keeps enduring? How do you do that? The answer is in Proverbs fourteen twenty six. Look what it says. It says, reverence for God gives a man what? His children. Because of that man's reverence for God. You men, you daddies, you fathers... You young men who aren't married yet in the church, make sure this is the priority in your life. Grow up with a reverence for God. Grow into a reverence for God you've never had because it will give you deep strength and your children, your whole family will have a place of refuge and because you father, you daddy, you mom, have a reverence for God because that reverence for God, that intimacy with God, that nearness to God gives you something. It gives you deep strength. So you're able to love when other parents would quit loving and you're able to forgive when other parents would not be able to forgive because God enables you. Number two. I said I was going to give you three things under love. I only gave you two. Just making sure you are listening. Main point number two, main point number two. Fathers who know best know how to bring correction to their children without condemnation. Fathers who know best know how to bring correction. How many of you know children need correction? But you can bring it without condemnation. And I know there are some so-called experts in our day who say, you really don't need to discipline your children. You just let them go. Let them go. I've seen some parents who practice that method of doing nothing. You just let them go, and then instead of discipline, you just talk, and you have meetings. And you chat with them. Here's what Solomon the wise man said. Anybody interested in Solomon the wise man, what he said about that? He said in Proverbs nineteen eighteen, discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. There are two Hebrew words for The word discipline, you want to write these down. They're deep. The first word is beat the tar. (laughs) The second word is out of them. (laughs) Somebody say amen. (laughs) What does it mean? When we say, I'm going to go with the modern world and what they teach about child discipline, I'm going to go with the modern world. I'm going to go with the modern approach. I'm not going to discipline the way the Bible teaches. I'm going to go the modern, you know, up-to-date, hip way. And I'm not going to really correct my children. The Bible says you don't love them if you don't discipline them. That's pretty strong, isn't it? I know parents are, I love my child. Well, then bring some correction in his life. Bring some correction in her life. Proverbs 13 24, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves something. It proves you don't love them. If you love your children, you will be what? Prompt to discipline them. You know, my dad would tell me, I'd be cutting up at church, and my dad would tell me when we get home, honestly, I wish he'd struck me down right then because the dread was worse than the spanking. And then I'd get home, and I'd think, you know, on the way home, they'd be laughing, talking about church was so good, and how God blessed. So I'd be in the back seat going, I think think the Holy Ghost is covering me up in here. I think God's moved on mom and daddy's heart in the altar, and and I'd, I'd come home, and I was an angel, buddy, and I'd go jump into bed and cover up and say, i got to get up early and go to school and learn. So I need to go to bed. And all of a sudden, that overhead light would come on, and Daddy would keep his promise. He would dance, he'd lead, and I'd follow. <laughs> Let me tell you children something about When you get in the spanking, come in near to the legs, Come in to the legs like this. Let I me mean, you show you, cameramen, You might just come in to the legs and get her, get your mom and daddy around the legs like that, and they'll they'll slow down. <laughs> it's a little tip for the children. <laughs> They're all out there, and then it got something, and then they just sort of like. they don't like how it feels either. Every one of us needs correction at times. There are no people in the world who are perfect who don't need correction. We all need correction. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children. But we need to learn to correct our children without condemning because that's how God disciplines us. How do we correct without condemning? Let me give you two things. You probably already got these blanks filled in. Don't discipline when you're what? Don't do it when you're angry. <clears throat> Go off and count. Don't do it when you're angry because I'm going to tell you when, you, when you discipline your children when you're angry, you know what that is? That's revenge. You're getting even with them. And the Bible says when you discipline your child and you're angry when you do it, the, the fruit of that in them is resentment. But when you cry and you tell them I never did believe daddy when he told me it was gonna hurt him much as it hurt me. But then I became a daddy. And it does. It doesn't hurt you physically as much, but it hurts you in your heart. I've spanked my boys before and gone off in the other room and cried. Ephesians 6 and 4. Look what he says about you and your children. Don't keep on scolding them and nagging them. I'm going to tell you something. If if I'm a child, if I could go through my childhood again, of course, my mom never did do that. She said it one time, and then the next time it was like, action, baby. (laughs) And I appreciate that. It's why I'm a preacher today. It's the reason I'm a preacher. It's the reason I love Jesus today. I thank God for the discipline my mom and daddy brought to me. And I know, you know, we're more modern now. We got new methods, but I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be serving God if my mom had not disciplined me and my dad had not disciplined me. My mom and dad didn't nag and scold. They'd tell you, but then they'd go, well, I guess he don't believe me. <laughs> but the Bible says don't keep on scolding and nagging your children. I'll you, one more time, one more time, and then... And then they do that, and you go, oh, oh, oh one more. And the child's over here going, you, you're you not going to do anything. I said, yap, yap, yap. And the Bible says don't do that. Don't keep scolding and nagging them, because when you do, it makes them what? Angry, Angry and what? Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline and then when you do discipline them, when they, and you don't have to spank every time. I'm not saying that, but when you do discipline them, taking something away and uh, saying you can't go to this thing. I know it was a big deal for you, but you didn't live by the standards we've set in this house, and so, and so um, you know you can't uh, you can't go to that big event. I know you were really looking forward to it, but you know, and they're upset about that. Then you that's a teaching moment. Now they're not going to look like they're learning. But they are. And you say, listen, we set standards for this house. And we don't let things go on in this house. We don't let these kind of things go on that you did. We told you we, that's not acceptable behavior, yet you went ahead and did it anyway. And so, therefore, here's the cost. And then stick to it. You know why a lot of parents don't discipline their children? Not because it hurts the children, because it hurts them. Do you hear me? Hurts the mom and dad. So they don't want to hurt. So they are like, no, I'm just going to let it go because I just don't want to go through. I'm going to feel so bad while they're up there in their room, their friends are at that big event. No, I'm telling you, you, you're not doing that child any good when you tell them this is going to be the cost and then there's never a cost. Does Does that make sense? So don't discipline when you're angry. The next one is be careful about the what words you use. Oh, man, words are so powerful. I tell you, words can have a deeper, lasting negative effect than anything physical sometimes. Not anything physical, but um, when a spanking is done out of anger, that can have, of course, a negative. But I'm telling you, words. I mean, children will hear you're, when your children are 50, I mean, you might be sitting out there today and you're a 28 year old dad and you're saying some things to your children and you've said it and thought, man, I shouldn't have said that, but I'm not going to say anything to them. Yeah, you know, it's all right. They'll forget. It. They won't forget it. They'll hear it when they're 50, unless you go to them and go, hey, daddy should not have said that right there because that's not true what I just said. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? you got to go back and tell your child. I was wrong when I said that. I'm telling you, I've apologized to Brandon and Mitch many, many times. Many, many times. Because things would be, you know, I've been a pastor since I was 19 years old. So when stuff wasn't going right at the church, sometimes I'd come home and I couldn't take it out on the people who were just being difficult and hard to get along with. And I'd come come home and take it out on my children by being unloving and distant or harsh in my words. I've sat down, I sat down with both my boys and told them, they know, they'll tell you. Man, Dad's told us over and over to the point where Brandon goes, I've got it. You're sorry. You don't have to say it anymore. Something's wrong with a parent who can't say I'm sorry to their child. Something's wrong with that. I read this and I wrote it down. I want to just read it right out of the material I was reading. It says, when you and I as parents allow the Holy Spirit to rule us, and we take the time to create helpful words and speak the truth in love, it, is in, it, is, it has in our words when we do the right words that the Holy Spirit gives us and say the right words that the Holy Spirit give us, gives us because we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Listen, it has incredible power to turn the hearts of our children toward God And toward righteousness. Number three, third main point. Number three, constantly reinforce. Fathers who know best know how to constantly reinforce how much they value their children. Do you tell your children all the time how precious they are to you? We all have a deep need for affirmation. You guys saw me this morning when you were applauding, Pastor Andy was saying all those stuff I'd written down for him to say, and y'all were applauding. You saw me going, no, but my hands were down here going like this. We all need affirmation. We all need that. Don't even tell me you don't need it, because then you lie and you got to repent for that. We all need affirmation. I don't care who you are. I mean, the guy who acts like he doesn't need anybody to affirm him, he needs it most probably. So why should we consistently express to our children how we value them? Why? Because our Heavenly Father did that for us. He's done that for us since we became his children. Look in Matthew 10, 29, and 31, and I'm just pulling out some phrases here. It's not doing any damage to the scripture. He says, now even a sparrow can fall to the ground without your heavenly Father knowing it, and you are much more, what? Valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. He knows when one falls, but you're more valuable to him than a whole flock. So on Father's Day, some of you are reminded that The fatherly model that you grew up with in your home wasn't a good model. Maybe you didn't have any model at all. Maybe your father abandoned um, and you didn't really have a father figure in your life. Or maybe the father that you had, because of the way he was brought up and the way he was reared, he brought you up like that. He was brought up by a terrible model, so that's all he knew and that's how he brought you up and it was an awful model for you, or maybe your father was an addict or an alcoholic, and he would come home and take it out on you. I talked to a pastor buddy of mine who wept and told me a couple of weeks ago, he said my daddy would get drunk and then come home and beat me and beat me and beat me. I can't even imagine living in that kind of life. And a lot of times when you were brought up, maybe by, not by a father who even did anything like that, but by a father who just, can can I just tell you parents something? Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Be careful with even, you think sarcasm isn't damaging. Being cutting, just cutting your children all the time. Cutting them down. Never complimenting them. Never saying, that's the best I've ever seen you do that. That, that is excellent. Ne- never saying that, but just always thinking that. If, as a matter of fact, I've heard fathers say this. Well, the reason I don't brag on my children is I don't want them to get uh, pride, proudful, prideful. So I just, every time they say something, you know, hey, I did good on that, I just I tell them right then, yeah, but you messed up all those other times. Or I'm telling you, you don't know what that does. You don't know what that does to a child. You say, Well, Pastor, I'm I'm your age or I'm older, my children are grown. Let me tell you something. You can call them today and go, you remember how I brought you up? And you remember how I was always cutting on you. And every time you try to say something positive about yourself, I would just rip you. I'm sorry. That'd be the best thing you could do on this Father's Day is call your children and tell them, here's what I know I did wrong when I was bringing you up. Now, some of you daddies out there are so full of pride, it'd be a cold day and you know wherefore you're going to do something like that. But I'm telling you right now, if you love your children and you know you did some things wrong, there is nothing greater you could do than to call them and say, Hey, listen, I just want you to know I'm sorry for those times when I came home from work and took out on you what I wanted to take out on the people at work, but I took it out on you. And I want to tell you I'm sorry for things I said to just cut you down to the ground. I'm telling you, I don't care if your child is 40, 45, 50, 60 years old. That would mean more to him, more to her than you can even imagine. I didn't have that in my notes today. So that was for somebody. When you're brought up by somebody who never affirms you and never loves on you and Never gives you that affirmation you need. It makes you think bad about yourself now. It makes you think, well, I must have been. I need that, those tissues. <laughs> I must have been. Um, here you go. I'll give them back to you because I know you're going to need them too. God bless you. Um, What you have to understand, if you're never going to get that phone call I was just talking about from that dad, you go, Dad, I, you go, uh, Pastor Farrell, I'm never going to get that phone call. I'm never, my dad's never, ever going to send that phone. Maybe he's passed on and maybe he's living, but you know he's never going to make that phone call. Can I tell you this? Your Heavenly Father sees you as valuable. Precious. So much so that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. See, even before we were born, he valued us. Look what it says in Psalm 139, 13, and 14. It says, God made the delicate parts of my body and knit me together. Where? Thank you, God for making me so wonderfully complex. Some of y'all are really complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. You know what he told Jeremiah? When the prophet Jeremiah said, I can't be a preacher, I can't be a prophet, I, I can't do it. He said, I don't even know how to put two words together. He said, God, you're calling the wrong guy to be a prophet. I can't be a prophet. I I stutter. I, I don't know how to talk in front of crowds. He said, Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I don't care what your daddy ever said to you to cut you down. I don't care what your mom ever said to you to cut you down. I'm telling you right now, before you were formed in your mother, he knew you and you were precious to him. So how, does, how do we love like that? How do we love like that? Well, the way to learn how to, to love like that and to, to learn how to value our children. We have to look at how the heavenly father values us. So let's look at it real quick. How does the heavenly father value us? It's right there in your notes under number three. Number one, he pays attention to us. This is how you value your children. He pays attention to us. It says in Matthew ten thirty, God pays what? Great attention to you down to the what? Even numbering the Hairs on your head, no jokes right there. I know you've gotten a lot of jokes right there. None. You know how you affirmed your kids? Listen to me, you parents with young children. I listen, man, I remember how it was. Daddy, 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 hey, daddy, daddy, hey, daddy, 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 hey, daddy. Hey, daddy, daddy. Look at this, daddy. Watch this, daddy. Hey, daddy, watch this. Watch this, daddy. Look at this. Watch this. Hey, listen, I remember. And I remember when I was 30 years old and it aggravated the daylights out of me. Because I was young and I had my own ambitions. They were were taken away from me being the greatest preacher, the greatest pastor. And they were just aggravating me. And I'd walk through department stores and they were behind me. Look at this, Daddy. Hey Daddy, can I have this? Look at this. I mean, tell you something. I would give. I would give. (laughs) I just can't even tell you what I would give today if I could go back to those days. I was in Walmart the other day, buying an apparatus to help me golf better and... (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably sell it next week, but listen. I saw this dad walking through Walmart and he was looking at all those sporting stuff and his kids were behind him. Hey, daddy, look at that, daddy. And I could just tell he was like, really, I've got them with me today. I would love to have mine with me today. At that age, so many things I would do different. Simple eye contact has incredible power when it comes to a a parent expressing how much they value their children. When you don't look at your children, when you won't look away from that computer screen, when you're talking to your children like this, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, hey, will you just wait one minute? I'm texting a friend who if I died, they wouldn't even come to my funeral. Will you just stand there and shut up for a minute? got that computer up and, and uh, you're talking to people that if you died, if you, were, if you were in a jug, they'd sit on top of it and not give you any air. I don't even know what that means anyway. <laughs> and you got a little one there who wants your attention for just a little bit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you young parents, you're going to be sorry if you don't wake up and realize how precious your time is. And I know there are times you've got to push that aside and you've got to go somewhere else and you've got to get the work done. I understand that. But some of you are working all day long then you're bringing it home with you and you're sitting there working all night long too. Look at them. You say, but they say dumb things. I know. So do you. Look at them, look at them. Turn from what you're doing and look at them. It is a gift to that child when you push everything aside and look at them as they explain to you why unicorns have that thing. (laughs) Number two, be affectionate. He's affectionate toward us. Number, Number one, he pays attention to us. Number two, he's affectionate to us. Hosea eleven four. four, I just got to tell you, I read this scripture to Millie. We were sitting in a doctor's office when I read her this scripture. I was working on my sermon in the doctor's office. She didn't want my attention right then. Let me just make that clear. And I read Hosea eleven four, and it said, I drew them to me with affection. Think about your children. I drew them to me with affection and love. I picked them up and held them to my cheek. Loving touches touch your children touch them touch them hug them kids need hugs they need touches kids need loving affection when you do that you're saying to them you're valuable to me and some of you are sitting here going well I didn't grow up like that you know nobody ever touched me and loved me so I don't know if I can do this you know what you've learned to do it learn to do it i can't play golf but i'm learning you said it don't come natural to me hugging. It don't come, to, you ought to see me. I look like a helicopter with a broken blade when I'm swinging that club. But I'm gonna learn it. I'm telling you right now, I've made up my mind. Let me pull my pants up. I left my belt home this morning. Listen, I, I'm gonna learn how to play golf. And it's gonna be fun. <laughs> eventually. It's not natural. It's not natural to take a club and hold and have the right posture and keep it straight and bend and bring and go all the way through and keep your eye. It's not natural. I don't know if God even intended anybody to try to do that. (laughs) But for some of you, it's not natural to be affectionate, but you can learn it, learn to be affectionate. You say, well, my daddy wasn't affectionate, my mama wasn't affectionate, break the mold. Break the mold. Who's going to break it? You say, well, I want my children to love on their... Well, then you've got to love on them. You've got to touch them. Break that mold. Some of you were abused physically. And that makes it harder for you. Abused sexually, and that makes it harder for you. But don't make your children pay the price for that. Number three, he expresses appreciation for us. God says, you're precious to me. I appreciate you. You're honored, and I love you. Isaiah 43, 4. When was the last time you told your child how much you appreciated them? You say, I don't know really how to say that. Write it down. You say, I don't even know what to write down. Go to Hallmark and buy a card and copy the card. <laughs> just put it in your handwriting. Have you ever gone to a, a, a card store and you're just, I mean, when I go to card stores, I'm like a woman. I stand there and cry the whole time. I'm trying to pick out a Mother's Day card or a Father's Day card, and I'm over there going, <laughs> So you don't know what to say, you don't know how to express it, buy the card, go home, write the words down off the card, add your little words in there, they will faint when you give it to them. But buddy, it will do something for them. Oh, it will do something for them. Indescribable. Look what Proverbs 12, 25 says, a word of encouragement does wonders. Number four, give uh, fathers who know best uh, know how to give their children responsibility and then trust them to carry it out. Jesus said that the way we grow up and the way we mature is that we our trust, we are trusted, and then we do what we're trusted to do. Look what he said in Luke 16, 10, and 12. Whoever can be trusted with a little with a little, can also be trusted with a lot. I heard about a, a, this guy at this big corporation. He was the CEO of this corporation. He took this young guy out for lunch, and they were in a cafeteria line, and he was going to give that guy, he was going to give him the good news that he had a big uh, job promotion. He was going to make a lot more money. And that young man uh, in that cafeteria line reached up and got uh, two or three pats of butter that cost three cents each, and he hid them under his napkin. And that boss who was about to give him that job saw him hide those three little pats of butter under his napkin so he wouldn't have to pay for them, and he didn't give the man the job. Because if you can't trust a man with a little, you can't trust a man with a lot. Jesus said it. And then he went on to say, and if you cannot be trusted with things that belong to someone else, who will give you things of your own? Of course, the thing in our society today is blame somebody. You know, blame somebody else. you got problems. Blame somebody. You're a victim. I heard somebody say blame is be lame. Be lame. Blame the world. Blame circumstances. Blame your parents. Listen to me. You need, to be, you need to accept responsibility and carry out your responsibility. And if you want your children to grow up to be good citizens and good Christians, you give them responsibility, you show them how to do it, you do it with them, then you back off and watch them do it, then you go away and let them do it by themselves, and you come back and inspect it and what it done right. You teach them how to do it right, you give them responsibility, you trust them to carry out that responsibility. That's how good citizens are made, it's how good Christians are made, and our country's getting away from it, and it breaks my heart. Every one of us has a desperate need to be trusted to prove ourselves. And the only way that's going to happen is to be given responsibility. Jesus did it. He's our picture in this. Took 12 men, not exceptionally talented or brilliant men, common workers, fishermen, tax collectors, just normal people, not at the top of their class, not voted most likely to succeed, not wealthy or privileged. One of them was a fraud. Jesus spent three years with them, giving them responsibility, greater and greater responsibility as that time went on. Finally, one day, Jesus said, hey, I'm going back to heaven, and I'm going to leave the future salvation of the world to you 11 guys. And they were like, wait a minute, Lord, us? You're going to leave it with us? Yes, I'm leaving the future salvation of the world in the hands of you you guys. Peter goes, Lord, what's your plan B on that? Jesus goes, I don't have a plan B. You're it. Parents often don't give their children responsibility because they don't want their children to have the have the experience of making a mistake. They don't want them to have a sense of failure. They, don't want, to experience, they want their, don't want their children to experience any kind of negative thing, any kind of negative emotion. But as parents, you have got to trust your children res, with responsibility. And when they fail, never allow them to blame somebody else for their failure. Galatians 6, 5. We are responsible for our own conduct. Number five, and then we're done. Fathers who know best know how to embrace the fact that each of their children is one of a kind. Stop trying to force your child into a mold that he or she was never meant to fill. Every child is one of a kind. Y'all got more than one children? All y'all got more than one children? Are they different? Oh my goodness, so different. They're individuals, they're unique, they're special. The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Now, let's talk about what that means real quick. Because what it sounds like it means is that if I teach my child to follow Jesus, when he grows up, he'll follow Jesus. How many of y'all know that's not necessarily true? It's not necessarily true. So what does it mean that if I train up a child, then he won't depart from it? It means to train up a child in the stage of life they're in. If your child is a preschooler, or let's go even start, if your child's an infant, then there is uh, not very much training that goes on at all there. But then when they become a toddler, you train them at that level. When they become a preschooler, you train them at that level. When they become a elementary grade uh, or first, second, third grade, you train them at that level. When they become... Junior high, that level, high school. So you train them in the stage they're in. You can't give a five-year-old the same responsibility and training you're going to give them when they're 15 or 25 years old. So there's an appropriate amount of expectation at each appropriate stage. So So when it says train them in the way he should go, that means that certain stage of life. The second thing it means, it means to train him or her up in a manner that is consistent with their strengths. And this is where parents fail a lot of times. They don't they they have decided what they want their children to be great at and they're going to force them into that. Once in a while that'll work out. It's pretty rare, but once in a while that'll work out but usually it doesn't work out. It is the responsibility of a parent to discern what your child's capabilities are, what God has gifted them to do, what God has gifted them to be. Once you determine that, then your job as a parent is to train them in the area of their strengths. Are you hearing me? 1 Corinthians 12 and 6, God works through different people in different ways. Now let me read to you about the animal school real quick. The animal school. The animals had a school. The curriculum consisted of running, climbing, flying, and swimming. All the animals took all the subjects. The duck was good at swimming and fair in flying, but he was terrible at running. So he was made to drop the swimming class and stay after school to practice running. He kept this up until he was only average at swimming, but average was acceptable. The others, including the teacher, were no longer threatened by the duck's swimming abilities, so everyone felt more comfortable except the duck. Then there was an eagle. The eagle was considered to be a problem student. For instance, in climbing class, he could beat all the others to the top of the tree, but he insisted on using his own method of getting there. He had to be severely disciplined, and finally, because of his lack of cooperation in swimming, he was expelled for insubordination. The rabbit, he started at the top of the class in running, but obviously he was inadequate in all other areas. Because of so much makeup work and swimming, he had a nervous breakdown and had to drop out of school. The turtle was a failure in most every course offered. His shell was considered to be the leading cause of his failure, so it was removed. This did, uh, this did help his running a bit, but sadly he became the first casualty when he was stepped on by the horse. Here's the summation. The faculty was disappointed, but all in all, it was a good school of humility, good school in humility. There were no real successes. Uh, None seemed to measure up to the others, but they did concentrate on their weak points and some progress was made. The whole point of that story is that you don't focus on your weaknesses and ignore your strengths. You pretty much ignore your weaknesses that you're never going to be real great at, be the best you can at them, but focus on your strengths. Find out what your child's strengths are and lead them in that direction, and God will use that. As a matter of fact, God put that passion in them. He put that ability in them. Galatians 6 and 4, each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud of what he himself has done. And I love what 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says. It says, if you really love your child, you're not going to demand your way. Love doesn't demand its own way. Love says, what is God's will? God's will be done. Father, thank you for this enormous amount of teaching today on parenting. Help us to go out from here and live it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.